Hey everybody, welcome back to the Caption Life Show. In this episode, we're reviewing the Marvel Comics series events, Secret Wars from 2015 and 2016, and joining the show to help us review is Matt and Lauren from Hopsgeek News. And our spotlight for this episode is the local gaming store Valkyrie's Vault that's located in greater Indianapolis area, and they sell anything that is gaming related, from board games to trading card games to role-playing games, and they also sell plushes, collectibles, apparel. They even host Learn to Play Nights, as well as League Events, at their store. Check them out in Brownsburg, Indiana. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecapsonlife.com. So today we are doing a comics review and commentary episode, and we're going to talk about the Marvel series event Secret Wars, a nine-issue series published from 2015 to 2016. It was written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated by Asad Rebek, colored by Ives Forsina, which I hope I pronounced that correctly, and lettered by Chris Ilopoulos. As you may know, I select the comics we're about to review by taking the recommendation from our guest hosts. So please welcome to the show from the Hops Geek News podcast, Lauren and Matt. Hops Geek News is a craft beer loving geek themed podcast from Star Wars to comic origin episodes to Supernatural to interviewing comic book creators and beyond. Hops Geek News discusses almost anything you might see at a con while enjoying a craft beer of the week. Lauren and Matt, welcome to the show. How are you both doing today? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining. And I got to say, I'm a big fan of you guys' podcast, and I really enjoy all the things that you guys talk about on your show. Um, I'm kind of curious, though, because both of you live in two separate states. Like, mm. did you two know each other before you started the podcast or how that work? It's the beauty of the Internet, baby. That's uh, <laughs> just a random Internet ad looking for people who... Uh, like beer and want to just like post pictures about beer to, Oh no, it's COVID. You guys just want to do a podcast to, Hey, <laughs> you guys, this is a beer podcast. Why don't you like talk about geek stuff on your own show? Cause we kept going <laughs> off on tangents. Like we got into it about the game of Thrones ending and there was other things. And then the guy who ran the beer podcast was like, which is called hops news. He's like, okay, you guys go do your own thing. And that's where the hops geek news came from. Gotcha. So you you two are both part of the Hops News, and then just, this kind of just spun off from that. Yeah, okay. we were both writing articles for him before COVID. Like, I would write articles about where to find good beer at Disney, because I'm in Orlando. Right. And uh, that's, yeah, that was, that's our origin story. Awesome. And, and Matt, remind me where you're at again, because I know you're in the process of moving, too. I am. Yeah. So right now I'm like 45 minutes away from Boise, Idaho, but thank God I'm moving back to like the East Coast. So I'll be in Virginia soon. <laughs> So you're not from Idaho then? Oh, God. No, I'm originally. from literally right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. So oh, okay. to come to Idaho, it's like, oh, man, it's it's like I was transported to a whole different planet. I'm sure. Yeah. What, what was the biggest like culture shock for you when you moved over to Idaho? Oh, man. The fact that I have to drive 45 minutes to go to a movie theater <laughs> or like anything because I'm not used to I'm used to be able to like go to Dunkin Donuts within five minutes or, hey, there's right. six grocery stores within five minutes to, oh, geez, you got to hop on one long stretch of road for like 45 minutes. Yeah, I know. I, I remember when I was in, I think, high school and maybe in college, I went 
and flew out to Wyoming, um, which, yeah, like, and we didn't fly directly into Wyoming. I think we had to fly into Nevada and then drive up there because there wasn't like a direct flight to in Wyoming to where we wanted to go. And I remember it was the longest drive. It probably wasn't like very long. It was probably like three hours, but it felt long because it was nothing but planes. And mm-hmm. the only thing that ever like diversified the whole experience was you'll see a separate sign that says like the name of the town and population like 63 or something like that. And, I, and that was that was a bit of a culture shock for me too because I was like I did not realize this was a thing out in the western part of the country. So they I can only imagine uh, they name like their towns like No Hope, Wyoming, and things like that. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of funny if you ever find yourself driving through because I had to. And then the right. first words my wife said to me like after we parked the car because uh, we got off and she's like I want a divorce and I was like you know what <laughs> I will uh, I'll draft up the paperwork it's fine oh my gosh that's oh man that's crazy so no hope I don't like it's it seems like they embrace that like they're not even trying to cover up the fact that this is not an interesting town at all right they love the fact that there's like no people around they're like good we don't want people around yeah. like, what those are like the extreme introverts like that's where you move oh, yeah. if you really don't want to be around people there you <laughs> and then, go. yeah and then lauren how, how long you've been in orlando uh, i've been in orlando about 12 years but i've lived in florida my whole life so okay. my husband and i grew up in fort lauderdale he came up for ucf eventually we went to high school together eventually i followed him up so but i mean i miss south florida but it's just so crazy and it's really nice in orlando like you know we drive 45 minutes we're in a disney park or a beach so you mm-hmm. know matt has to do that just to get to the movie so i can't complain too much yeah no, I understand that. Well, and, and I love uh, following you on social media because I'm a huge Disney fan as well. Uh, my wife and I are annual pass members, which we kind of made the mistake of not renewing it during COVID because, mm. you know, like at the time, it's like we don't know when we're going to go back. But then they had that whole period of no one knew when they were going to start it up again. So as soon as they made it available, that was like the first thing we did. We got up like early that morning to get our annual passes because we really missed it. But mm. um, but what I like about your account, just like what you're talking about, you talked about a lot of the craft brews um, in Orlando, but a lot of it is also like in Disney or Disney affiliated or something like that. So I think like Disney Springs, you talk about some of the things that they Mm -hmm. have there. Um, I think, you know, whenever you go to Epcot with the food and wine festival, I think you usually post something there as well too. So, so if anyone's really a fan of Disney and you're a fan of beer, like definitely check out (laughs) Lauren's account as well too. Um, But like I said, your guys' podcast, I really enjoy, you know, I I love nerdy podcasts in general, but your guys is, is a lot of fun. I know, um, you know, when I listen to your podcast, um, Lauren always does kind of like a, like a five things to know. Like I, I just listened to your Indiana Jones episode mm-hmm. and I think you did some like fun facts about the Indiana Jones series that people may not know about. And, and the biggest thing was, you know, the, the, um, scene where Indiana Jones shoots the guy that had like the big sword and everything. Right. <laughs> that seems hilarious on its own, but with the backstory, it's even funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think I, you know, when I was listening to your podcast, I knew that he was sick, but I, I guess you, you all found out he had dysentery is, yeah. is was the problem, you know? And so I'm like, oh, that's even worse with yeah. all that that went down. Yeah. No kidding. So, well, again, thank you both for joining the show. As we talked about, we are going to review Secret Wars. Um, and so before we dive into it, I want to ask both of you, um, what made you decide to do Secret Wars as a review for this episode today? I wanted like the most unhinged story that you could possibly get. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of a hot topic of conversation. It's going to be coming up soon anyway. So it was a good excuse for me to kind of revisit the story. Cause mm-hmm. I first read it, you know, back when it first came out and I was like, man, I don't know what's going on right now. I wasn't like 
into comics as much as I am now. So it definitely right. is a fun reread. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with you, Lauren. Um, well, for me, before this stuff comes out, I always like to read. I mean, that's basically what we do with our comic origin episodes. You know, we like to release those before a show or a movie comes out. And I just I mm. love knowing the backstory. And sometimes I whisper to my husband and he doesn't care. I'll be like, in the comic, this happened. Um, but, <laughs> you know, like when they announced Infinity War years ago, I was I got the Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War, you know, all those books and everything. And I just I just mm. love having that backstory and seeing the differences. And that's how I got into comics, because I would walk out of, you know, X-Men Wolverine origins and and one of my friends was like well in the comics this happened and and this happened and I just I just loved the comparisons and hearing the the full backstories but this was not what I expected at all so um but yeah when Feige announced Secret Wars I was like okay well I gotta read Secret Wars and you know the longer Mm -hmm. you wait the harder it's gonna be to get so when that was one of the options I was like yeah let's definitely do that but this was interesting yeah to say the least I, I think you know we were all kind of commenting on this on Twitter social media last night of this was definitely something I wasn't expecting. This is the first time I've read it. And uh, I, at the end of it, like, yeah, we'll get into it. But it's like, I think we were all talking about how this was either not what we expected or not what we remember. Cause Matt, like you said, you read it before and then you forgot about it. And then when you read it again, you're like, this is, I think the word you use was unhinged to, yes. to describe this. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, going back to Laura, what you're talking about with reading it, um, reading comic books before like movies and series comes out. I, I do the same thing as well too, as much as possible. I want to do the same for Secret Invasion, but then I read somewhere that um, the director and the writer didn't really read the series before they mm. created the show. So I'm like, I don't even know if, if I should read Secret Invasion at that point then, because if, if it's not based on the series, then is there like a really fair comparison to do for um, for the comics and the TV show in that point? So, but I like to do the same thing. I think a lot of people like to do that as well, too. So um, when Secret Wars does finally come out, I mean, it was supposed to come out like 2025. It might be like not until 2032 or whenever if we're lucky <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we'll have to reread it by you know re- re-listen to this episode and all that but yeah um so this is why we're uh decided to review secret wars what was your origin story with this story lauren sounds like this is your first time you you read it so this is probably you know your origin story here is this episode yeah. uh, for that story and then matt you said you read it i think back in high school or you read it before no, it was. Oh, God, I wish I was still in high school in 2015. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's 2015. Sorry, I was thinking about the original one. Yeah, 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 was too, yeah. Well, that's yeah. at first. It's like because they have the one from 1984 and then this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, like, that doesn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really bad at math right now. Uh, <laughs> it's early. Yeah. No, I just happened to see it on the comic book shelf and I was like, oh, I love Hickman. Let's see what this is about. And so I kind of read it issue to issue. Uh, but I honestly in a move i lost all those issues so it's good that i picked up the the book anyways mm-hmm. and i was like oh this has like every character in it. this was because i kind of got back into comics in like 2012 and i was more of dc at that point and then so when i saw like all these marvel characters on the cover and getting them all together and i was like this sounds awesome and then right. after reading i was like i'm not sure what was so secret about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i guess because the secret with doom was keeping it a secret Right. From everybody else. Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess so that makes sense. But yeah, I was like, I don't know what was so secret about this. And then, yeah, that was just based on my origin was just finding new, fun, exciting things. And it's like as many characters as possible. Like, yeah, let, let's see what this is about. Yeah. yeah the art's yeah. beautiful. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, so, so diving into this before we get started, just so everybody knows, again, we're going to talk about what happens in the story. So if you don't want this to be spoiled, first of all, it's been out for like seven years, so it's not really <laughs> a spoiler. Like people have been probably talking about this for a while. But if you haven't read it, just be warned. We're going to start talking about it. Um, so with that being said, let's just do a quick recap of the series. Um, so first of all, like how how would you kind of start off describing? I, I know it opens up with basically it talks about the incursion, which if you watch, you know, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, you know, they talk about that a little bit. But basically it talks about how the entire multiverse is already being destroyed. So you just kind of leap into the story knowing that apparently, you know, some of the other things are happening in the other comics before um, they jumped right into this. But the first issue opens up with Earth 1610, which if you watch Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or across the Spider-Verse, that's the world that Miles Morales is from. Um, but it's a curse in between Earth 1610 and Earth 616, which is the main MCU. And basically it opens up with like Nick Fury's team from 1610 is trying to, you know, attack Earth 616 and vice versa. Um, and finding out that there's a Reed Richards called the maker that um, is part of Earth 1610. And he's trying to, you know, do something secret. Um, but like, how, how would you kind of describe the story going, you know, jumping off on that point? Oh, I would. Yeah, pretty much say <laughs> that uh, two worlds collide and uh, out from the ashes, we have dooms of God. And yes, <laughs> a lot of heroes who have survived this event are basically doing his bidding. And from there, it's just cameo after cameo people just i don't even know that's it's really it's kind of hard to without like fully well, describing we didn't what read the happens stories too because there's times yeah. where i was like did i miss something and and yeah <laughs> yeah and the, when they do the jump forward too because you know they jump eight years but i i thought right. it was very interesting having doom be god and the I, there was definite parallels between you know christianity and whatnot and i know you like to talk about the because you have a history with religion but you know like when mm. valeria is like oh we found an object that's older than earth that's impossible yeah right. so i thought you know that but it, it did yeah it was a very crazy transition of all these so many heroes in the beginning just to kill it was like they were all cannon fodder like heroes that we loved and villains that we loved right yeah and and from the original 616 and 1610 which again 1610 is known as the ultimates universe so if you're you know reading comics like that's its own separate thing and i never really got into the ultimate universe or read much of it so like seeing these characters were really brand new for me for the first time but i guess both of them um like some of the characters got into like these life rafts that apparently was indestructible from all the incursions that was happening. And so at the end of issue one, it pretty much said that um, it was like very ominous too, is at the very last page, it said, you know, the ultimate universe was pretty much dead from, you know, 2010 or 2012 to 2015. And then same thing with earth 616 that, you know, I forget the year they started like maybe 1961 or something like that. I think it was 61. Yeah. 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 And so pretty much saying like those two worlds, like just didn't exist anymore. And then the next issue, just like what you both said, you know, doom is God. Um, we get like Thor and a group of Thors are pretty much, it's pretty much like an, a private army of doom. Um, and you get to see like pretty much doom uh, got rid of Reed Richards in this new world. Like he took the remnants of, 
1610 and 616 and probably the other multiverses and kind of create his own world. And in doing so, he pretty much got rid of Reed and inserted himself as Reed. And when it comes to the family of the Fantastic Four, so he's married to Sue. Uh, Franklin and Valeria are his kids. Johnny Storm is now like the son. They turned him into they banished him into the sun. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> and not like he turned into the sun, but he's like the source of the sun. So you see like a little panel there of like Johnny on this, you know, supernova scale and just in constant pain the whole time. And we don't know where, where Ben Grimes or where Ben Grimm is at this whole time. Like we just, it's, he's, you know, somewhere. No one knows. Yeah. yeah. Like no one knows where he's at or anything like that. So it's just like, he's just gone. So Reed and, and thing is gone. Uh, Johnny's now the son. So that's like very, you know, torturous because, you know, it's a doom. That's what he lives for. And he has the family that he wanted. Like everyone worships him and, and he's the God here. Right. Um, Dr. Strange is uh, the sheriff of this world, apparently, which I know you, you two probably know my feelings about Dr. Strange. So it's like, of course, this guy is involved somehow with the whole story. Um, and then later on, we see that Strange found these life rafts where these characters are at um, that survived from Earth 1610 and 616. One of the groups of the characters is like the Cabal. So that's, you know, Thanos, Maximus from Inhumans, uh, Proxima Midnight, you know, all the, you know, some of the the big bads that we have from Earth 616, you know, they show up. Um, and then you got characters uh, from 1610, like Miles Morales, Spider-Man, um, the characters from Earth 616. Uh, we get a Phoenix Cyclops, which I did not realize was a thing. Did you do know about this? I had this? no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I was reading this. I was like, when does Cyclops become the Phoenix here? You know, and, and at first I thought maybe this is like from 1610, because that would make sense because this is all that. No, this is 616. So this is what happens when you don't read comics for a while. <laughs> and and you, you find like this one stuff thing. Out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Cyclops is one of my favorite X-Men. Like, I always gravitated to leaders. So I just feel silly that I had no idea that in Earth 616 that Cyclops was Phoenix at one point. Um, so so there was a fight, you know, between those two. Uh, Doctor Strange showed up and, you know, I guess decided to, um, like, disperse them throughout the entire world, I guess, because he didn't want to draw attention to this. Um, and then, what, like, Doom kills him. I can't remember why. I think it's because Strange like started to actively like act against him because he realized like you know this is a bad idea and everything so right. he sent everybody That's- away so that doom couldn't kill them yeah right and then yeah, because Strange like was pretty much started to turn on him. So so Doom kills him, and and I don't even know like how he killed him. Is just I guess because he's God, he just pretty much like just made him go away by like he just turning him into dust. Kind of yeah. is how I took it. Yeah. So he just like boom, you're vanished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so as we go through this, basically we see you know this whole world that um, that Doom has created was basically concocted because Doom realized what was going on, which was the Beyonders, which is this group of people from Marvel Universe, which, again, I did not realize was a thing until this comic. But I guess they're kind of godlike in a sense. I guess they were creator of the Celestials, if I remember correctly. Um, but they decided that they were going to implode the multiverse by taking Molecule Man and creating a bunch of Molecule Men in each of the universes to create like a bomb to just reset the multiverse. So Doom somehow figured it out they never really explained how but you know it's doomed so he figured it out so he decided to stop them and then um 
uh, drew them out, the, the Beyonders out, to get um, their powers, basically. And that's how he becomes God, is that he draws them out. He sucks out their power by using Molecule Man. Doctor Strange, you know, again, was helping him because I guess he wanted to, you know, stop all this from happening. So I guess Strange was on board with Doom becoming, you know, God to do all this. So that's how he gets the powers, right? And, and Molecule Man still so like lives in this new world. And this really weird, like, negative zone universe type of thing and he's always hanging upside down which i never I was quite. like yeah he's, he's always, always hungry, hungry. <laughs> yes and he's i mean apparently no one came down and like fed him at all you is know like food no yeah. we're still <laughs> happy Man. with that one hamburger they're like oh i forgot this you're holding this poor guy hostage bring him some food the undoing yes. of god is a hamburger <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the hamburger was like eight years old right like, <laughs> Well, it was in stasis, so it was only like three weeks old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, three. If it's three weeks old and no, it's that's still, unless it's a McDonald's hamburger, it probably <laughs> just, looks he's the same. that hungry. All right, look. I was about to say it's you know with with fast food these days, I'm sure it's actually you know considered imperishable at this point, right? Yeah, it's just, all the preservatives. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, so that's how we found out. That's how Doom kind of created the world, and then you know Valeria started figuring out like what was going on, um, and then it pretty much you know again the name of this world they call it Battle World. Which I which I'm not even sure why. I don't think Doom came up with that name. I think somebody else did, but it was just like kind of like just a weird like why would we call it Battle World? You know, it's it's whatever, right? Like <laughs> not a whole lot of battles go on. I know, yeah. It's just like it, like it seemed like it was supposed to be this. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you know, um, like a dystop not a dystopian, but a utopian society almost, you know, like everything seems to be nice. Everything, you know, everyone is on board with this um, and everyone's happy, you know, and, and blissful and things like that. But then once once people start hearing the truth, then they start, you know, attacking doom and, you know, try to correct things, basically. So by the end of it, we see that, you know, it comes down to Reed Richards and Dr. Doom fighting each other, like always, because yeah. if you talk to people who are like really big fans of this story, they'll always tell that Secret Wars is not an Avenger story. It's a Fantastic Four story, which I'm like, yes and no. Like, I I would say it's both, you know? Like, it's definitely centered around Fantastic Four, but, I mean, there's Avengers in there, and they have their own stories that's happening in there as well, too. But it does come down to it's a story of Fantastic Four versus Doctor Doom on some level, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Doom steals Reed's girl and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah I can see where it comes down to it. Yeah. I feel like all the other stories were supporting. And right. it yeah. was, yeah, they were all supporting characters, and the Fantastic Four were the, were the main characters. Exactly. Yeah. So they weren't like side characters or background characters. They're all kind of part of this. And, and there's definitely tie in stories with this as well, too. So if you are reading this main issue and, or this main series and you're thinking, you know, there's probably more to the story, there probably is. And they probably <laughs> wrote it. Um, I didn't have time to go through and read. I'm just like, I'm just going to keep it to this. So that's all we're talking about. just these nine issues. So, um, and then what I also found interesting is I don't know if you, if you all saw this, but when I was reading this, I was reading it through the Marvel unlimited app. Um, and on each of the cover, it kept saying issue one of eight, issue two of eight, three of eight. But then when I got to issue eight, it said issue eight of nine. So I guess at some point they decided to take the last issue and split into two parts, which kind of threw me off because I was like, I always thought it was nine issues. But when I kept seeing the, the uh, title there, I was like, Oh, maybe there's only eight. But then when we got to the eight issues, like I guess they extended out to nine. So I know they did an issue zero on free comic book day. So maybe that's why then they got them mixed up. I don't know. Uh, I know. I think, I I mean, I would have to look into this, but I think they like legitimately just added an extra issue because, because I didn't read the zero. I didn't read the issue zero on that one. 
Okay, they were supposed to do eight issues and then they last minute were like, we need another issue and they did add another issue. But you would think that on the app that they would update that. Like- yeah, you would think so. <laughs> I know. Well, and and my so when I looked up the series, it did say nine issues. Mm-hmm. So like when you look at it as a series, but my guess is when they have an when they've had whatever they have printed, they want to keep what you're reading from the print version instead of ah. updating it. So that's my guess is that um, that's what they were doing with that. But what was really fascinating with all this is that with those nine issues, I just I've never heard of them like taking the last issue and like decided to split into two issues. But each issue is also pretty inconsistent with page numbers as well, too, because one issue would be like 24 pages. And then I think there was another one that was like close to 48 or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it was like all over the place in terms of, you know, how many pages you're actually getting for each issue as well, too. So, but yeah, so that's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's secret wars. Um, and, like we're about to talk about, it's it's wild. It's it's all over the place. I know for me, I don't know if it, for you too, but for me, it was like kind of hard to figure like what was going on and to follow and like it takes until like the middle of the book before you really start to understand what's going on, and then you're like, oh, okay, now it makes a little yes. more sense. And but in the beginning, questions. you're just like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and some questions were never answered or explained. It was like you were like you said you were supposed to read other books. Like there was two Reed Richards. Yes. So I was really like, are they going to explain this heartless Reed Richards a little bit more? And they never do. He so just kind of disappears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, that's the Reed Richards from Ultimate Universe. So if you were reading the Ultimate Comics, you probably knew who that guy was. But if this is like the only story, if you haven't been keeping up with all these things, which is, you know, this is the major complaint with Marvel DC, right? Is that the universe is so big that you feel mm-hmm. like you have to read all these other issues just to kind of keep up with what's going on. There are some events where you don't have to do that, but I feel like with this one, you definitely had to read some other tie-ins or previous comics to really get a grasp of what's going on with some of these details and things like that too. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's, uh, I'll be honest and, and, and we'll get into the details with this, but I know a lot of people say like sequel wars is an amazing story. I did not think it was that amazing. Like it was interesting, but I mean, it's Would not you, my favorite. It, yeah, yeah. And and I haven't read the original one from nineteen eighty four, so I don't know like how that compares by any means whatsoever. But uh yeah, I just I did not find it to be at the same level as what other like events from Marvel has happened before. So what what are you what are your thoughts on that? I definitely agree. It's it's a good story, but it's not yeah. one that's like, oh wow, this is a must read over and over again. It's more <laughs> of like all right, maybe I'll pick it back up around the time that the movie releases again, but I'm not going to sit there making an annual reread like I do some of the other bigger stories. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What about you, Lauren? Um, I feel the exact same way because when I saw all the like, you know, critically acclaimed or people loved it or whatever, I, I was taken back a little. But what I think one of the things that took away from us for us was that we didn't have these backstories. And in a lot of comics, like I'll be reading Wolverine and like something will happen or a character will show up and it will say this happened in this comic, this issue. And so it right. gives you guidance and quick little like nuggets of info and that didn't happen at all in this at the beginning because <laughs> i bought the trade back it does give you other recommended books to read but it you know refers to this as the main event right um, so i did think it was funny though and i there was a lot of humor in it that i genuinely enjoyed mm-hmm. and i'm curious to see how they do change this and put it onto the big screen because onto the big screen you know i've seen every single thing in the mcu so i'm ready for that Right. And so I think that that will be enjoyable seeing it in that regard. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. 
I mean, it was interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think with a big screen, like I think it's going to be mostly a name only, right? Because when you look at Infinity War, like, yeah, there are some elements from Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet story that came in, but it's still a very different story than what we saw, right? So Infinity yeah. Gauntlet, Thanos wipes out half the universe, not because he's trying to save the universe, but because he was trying to impress death, who's like a personified version of it. Um, so, you know, of course, you know, just like, any male, like he's doing something to impress a girl, basically, right? <laughs> um, so I think Secret Wars is going to be kind of the same thing. Like it's going to have the same ideas in terms of here's these, you know, two Earths essentially fighting each other, but I don't think it's going to, you know, go at this same level either. Um, but yeah, and, and what's the other thing that's really interesting about this is that Secret Wars, from my understanding, was supposed to reset the Marvel Universe because that's how we got Miles Morales got into the new Marvel 616. That's right, yeah. But when the series ended, it didn't really explain any of that stuff. Like it just said, you know, Reed started remaking um, or it, actually it was Franklin that started to remake the whole universe and all that. Right. So he started remaking the whole universe and then it's kind of left at that. And so you don't even get to see how that came into fruition. I think you have to read some other story to find out, you know, what happened as a result of all these things. And so that's, that was the w other weird thing about it. It's like, it was supposed to reset all this, but it doesn't really show like what was the result as that reset. Um, I mean, it definitely made it clear that that's what happened in this event, but it was just, yeah, it was just an odd story. I mean, it was, it was, I can think we all on the same page. Like it's okay. It's, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's just, it is what it is. And um, it's just, yeah, so let so let's let's talk a little bit about the cover art. Um, for those who have not read Secret Wars, each of the issues was done by Alex Ross, and if you don't know who Alex Ross is, he's really well known for creating art, a uh, very of a specific look that's very popular, very famous. That's really uh, photorealistic, and he uses you know different kinds of lighting and stuff like that for his art, and and he did the artwork for each of these issues. Uh, what did you all think about the artwork? Like, was there one that really stood out to you did you like all the artwork what, what did you think of it there was not one i'll be honest with you I, there's not one that i was like oh this really stands out to me um, right they were all just like of course it's alex ross right it's very stoic in the way that he portrays these characters in his artwork and so I, of course i took a minute to be like wow this is incredible mm -hmm. um but uh, at the end of the day there was not one particular thing other than like just the cover to me always kind of just generic you know is the one that stands out but I didn't have one that I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, for me, it was pretty unmemorable, right? Like the, the, the only one that was really um, uh, memorable was the issue one, but that's because that's like plastered on, you know, the trade paperbacks. And like, and whenever you hear about secret wars, that's the image that they show. Right. But like all the other ones after that was not memorable for me. And I'll be honest. I recognize that Alex Ross is a really good artist. His art just doesn't, slap for me at all whatsoever so i know everybody's like oh i love alex ross's art um i don't care for well it. <laughs> i feel like with his artwork like it's it's almost too good and like there's something about <laughs> it, it almost like said well that's what i'm saying like it, it's almost too like oh this doesn't fit a comic book theme you know air quotes around that because a right. lot of people think of comic book artwork to be one thing but his he takes that but it's almost like really really refined and uh, there's nothing wrong with that it's amazing art i could never in a million years do this right but i think that's kind of why for me as well yeah his art does definitely adds a lot of depth that other artists you know aren't able to capture you know because even when they add that 3d element to their work on a 2d level it still doesn't pop out as much as alex ross's work but yeah i mean 
I just, I've never been a huge fan of his work. Like, I think, you know, you know, if you like it, that's great. And, you know, more power to you. I'm not saying he's a bad artist by any means whatsoever. It's just that I know when they had the variant covers that came out for, I think, I can't remember if it was Amazing Spider-Man, but the ones that they have out right now, he did a variant cover, I think almost 20 of them of different character profiles. Like, everybody was like, oh, I got to get this one. I'm like, yeah. you, you can get it. I don't care for it. <laughs> Anytime they do the variant covers, I'm always like, I feel like I'm getting bamboozled. I'm like, I don't need all these. Like when they re-release Walking Dead in black and white, they instantly put it in my box because I read it before. And I'm like, I'll take the first one. But like, no, don't bamboozle me. (laughs) Um, So are you a fan of variant covers then or? No. I mean, sometimes (laughs) I'll see one and it's like, oh, this is really cool. But I'm not going to buy two of the same issue. So I'm always just like, it's frustrating. It's like, you know, it's. but I mean, I'm I like having things in hand. I'm literally looking through this because when you're asking that question, I'm like, I don't even really remember them because I have the trade back and they're the cover art's not at the beginning of each issue. So they have all this stuff in Mm. the back. I do enjoy Alex uh, Ross's art very much so. Um, but I, I'm guessing these are them. They don't even have the name on it. And this looks like his work. Yeah, um, it is. It's I mean, the, the one with the, the zombies train. and the Th- Thanos is really cool. So mm. there is some some really cool artwork back there. But there's a bajillion. All these are different variant cover arts and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't read them before each issue. So that's usually when they stand out. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Because usually, like, the, the cover art before you read each issue is... Yeah. You know, gives you an idea like sometimes that hooks you like i remember seeing like you know uh walking dead like when you see negan and and the one lady you know mm. kiss and you're like what the hell and then yeah you go home and read it and then you're like oh okay yeah i i think when it's um a collection of issues for a like a continuing story i think they usually put the cover at the beginning of the issue that it shows up in the trade but i think when it's an event like this i think it's usually um, I think it's common that they put the cover issue or the cover art at the back of the book. So that way you can kind of read it as like one story if you wanted to, because it's like it's a limited yeah, series of event stories. I think exactly that's probably what, what they this do. Is. Yeah. Yeah. But so. I like to know, like, OK, I'm on to the next issue. So, yeah. <laughs> well, especially when the page numbers, like I was talking about, is like very inconsistent that some of them were yeah. 24 page, some were like 36, some were 48 and, and back and forth and all that. So you you really didn't know, you know, no, when the issue started and stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. So that's the cover art. So um, let's talk about our three, you know, moments that we want to discuss from the series. It could be a moment that you really enjoyed, one that you thought was interesting or maybe was confusing or one that you just absolutely hated. And you thought this was probably a, a bad, you know, either storytelling or bad artwork or or just, you know, something you hated about it. Um, anything like that. So let's go ahead and Lauren, let's start with you. What was one moment from the series that you want to talk about? So one moment, most of my moments that stood out were comedy moments. Um, mm-hmm. But my favorite moment that was not a comedy moment was when we learned, you know, Ben Grimm is a wall and he's feels like, you know, he's protecting people. And then when Susie goes to um, or not Susie, when Valeria goes to fight him and he's like, you're Susie's kid. And mm-hmm. that just stops him dead in his tracks. And he's like, oh, there's no way I'm fighting Susie's kid. So right. I just thought that that one little line, it just showed so much about you know, the Fantastic Four and the family and that, you know, they're going to come together and not in not in a civil war fighting kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he gets blown up. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He's just like, well, that's the thing is like, you know, it's very, you know, sweet and, and um, a great you know characteristic of his is that he refuses to fight Susie's kid. Right. He refuses to fight their kids, no matter if it costs him life. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happens. And of course, Valeria is just like, all right. And like without hesitation. Easy. Yeah. She just blows him up. I'm like, man, it's like, don't mess with that kid. Right. 
Um, but yeah, you know what that was interesting is again, I haven't kept up with the Fantastic Four, but the fact that Ben didn't know Valeria was Susie's kid, like made me wonder, was this a Ben from a different universe or was this like like Ben is new but like knew who Susie was, even though this whole time he was a wall? Like that was the part I was really confused about because I didn't know if like maybe like Ben from six one six did not know who Valeria was, or maybe he was from sixteen ten. No idea, but I, I found that a little like interesting is like how did he not not know Valeria was was Susie's kid, right? It's well, it's also been eight years, so it could have been maybe that, like last time you saw her. Like, so how would, old is this kid? would this be like the first time we've seen the kids still in, in the universe? Or? I, don't, I was yeah. confused about that too because then I was like, wait, are these the kids that he thought were dead? I'm like, oh, those are the kids from the other universe. Like I kept getting thrown yeah. off there too. I was, I was too. Say what? I was too. I was like, wait, wouldn't he have known? But then again, my thought was like, oh, it's been eight years. Maybe this these kids popped up afterwards. I don't right. even know. Yeah. Well, and, and when you look at the beginning of every issue, they usually, you know, do like kind of a character breakdown of um, where the characters are from. And so at the very top, they always talk about how there's doom, Sue, uh, Valeria and Franklin. And so part of me wonders like if those characters with the exception of doom was really created for this new battle world and that they're kind of new. Um, and then they, you know, below that they had the breakdown of like who was, you know, part of the uh the good guys from you know both 1610 and 616 and, and the cabal right mm-hmm. um but still like it just made it interesting that i've always knew valeria and franklin you know has been around for a while so i don't know if like at this point you know valeria and, and franklin wasn't around or what but yeah it was just really interesting to say the least so yeah uh what about you matt uh, there's a couple. So of course, like the low hanging fruit is obviously the the one frame that everybody always shares when talking about doom and how powerful is doom? How does this, it's the scene where he's, you know, turning Thanos to dust by grabbing his spine. He just reaches inside him and poof, Thanos is gone. The uh, fatality so that always, move from Scorpion, yeah, right? <laughs> that's always like a really fun, you know, panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think probably my favorite moment was T'Challa getting the infinity gauntlet, like him and Namor. Mm-hmm. They get the gauntlet and then uh, that's when T'Challa's like, all right, game on. And he starts, you know, taking it to doom and they have a kind of good fun battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and T'Challa's still at the end. Like he goes down swinging and uh, just kind of laughing when he dooms like, what are you laughing about? Yeah. And then that's when the whole thing <laughs> kind of culminates. And so that was probably like my favorite thing is just showing because to me, I'm still connecting, you know, like the Black Panther character in real life to Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman. And mm-hmm. it's like, we're not going to kind of get this, unfortunately, in the MCU so it was like, I really just love how that whole thing played out for me. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, when we're talking about MCU, I hope they don't bring back the Infinity Gauntlet as a same crucial fighting point. Because like, I, I think everybody's just ready to kind of move on from that. And I think it'd be cool and interesting if they do something with it. But I don't I think more of like just kind of like a quick, you know, somebody in some universe tried to use that and then it didn't work out or something like that. You right. know? But, but I will say it was, it was pretty cool that they pulled that back. Cause it makes sense that if you're going against a, essentially a God, that that's probably the closest thing you can do to even the playing field or the, you know, the, the battlefield in that sense. Right. So, yeah. So I, I will say that was really cool that they brought that in and it made a lot of sense. And it was really neat to see T'Challa having the, the affinity gauntlet there. Um, for me, I mentioned this earlier, but, I was really fascinated with the Phoenix Cyclops. Like I want to go back and find out when this happened and read more of that. But I absolutely found it really interesting because I think this happened in issue three or four. And that if you know Cyclops, Cyclops has a weird uh, history in Marvel Comics because 
you know, the writers always kind of change things up a little bit, but with Cyclops, he has gone from like one end of the pendulum to another. Like he would either be like this really good, caring person who is a strong leader to he's a dick. He le- yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like he, he left Madeline Pryor to go with Jean Grey, even though he was married to her and had a kid and all that. It's like, as soon as you find out Jean Grey was alive, he's like, peace out, you know? And <laughs> it, it, like, so his character was always fascinating from that regard. But in this story, um, he definitely has an ego. And I think because he had the power of Phoenix, like it boosted his oh, ego yeah. a lot, which is like, you know, when you had the power of Phoenix, you're going to be like that. But I don't think Cyclops made it, you know, difficult at all for his ego to get inflated. So he was going up against Doom, but, you know, again, because Doom is God, he survived everything that Cyclops gave at him. And then, you know, Jim just reached out and snapped his neck like what we saw with Thanos and Loki and Infinity War, you know, just like it was nothing, basically. So it was really fascinating to see how you have two people of like huge egos, like kind of going against each other. And I always love how in the comics, it can't just be, you know, this page of people fighting each other. There's always have to be some sort of dramatic speech. And of course, Cyclops has this dramatic speech about why he's the most powerful being, you know, on this planet and all that. And then he just gets killed immediately after that. So. Yeah, so I love. I, I mean, Cyclops. I love Cyclops, but I thought that was a that was a great writing right there. I really love that. Uh, Lauren, the next one for you. Um, so all my other ones are comedy pieces. So at the yes. very beginning, you know, you're reading the first issue, and there's so much going on. And then when Wilson Fisk is like, "Hey, I'm going to throw a party," like we can't <laughs> bring all this these you know booze and all this fun stuff with us. So let's enjoy it and go out. And Punisher walks in and he's like. I don't want to waste these bullets. And he just freaking mows down all these bad guys. Yeah. I I was laughing aloud. I thought that was hilarious. Um, And it's just, it goes to show like Punisher, like he's such a great character and like the Mm -hmm. end of the world's not going to change who he is or what he's set out to do. Like he's, you know, nope, you don't get to enjoy your, your last bit of fun. Yeah, he sees it as a, well, I, my time is running up, so I better, you know, finish this job that I have of, you know, killing as many bad people as possible. But yeah, I thought it was funny. Right now. Yeah, so yeah. You know, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the best time to do it, right? Is, you know, everybody is, is drunk and, and they're not expecting anything right. like that. But I found it funny in the stories, like they put that in there and I absolutely love that scene. I thought it was funny and great, but it's like, if they had took that out, it would have really done anything with the story either, you know? No. Yeah, it had no relevance to the story at all other than showing how different people are handling the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, that's a good way of doing that and everything. I think that's a great way of writing that in there. But it's just it was just funny because I completely forgot about that until you mentioned it because it doesn't even like show up. Not even in the final battle scene, like Punisher, Kingpin. None of those people showed back up in the final battle or by any means whatsoever. So, <laughs> Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <They're gone>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think in the chaos, they, you know, I think that's what I love about Marvel. I mean, DC does it too, but they still throw in those quips of humor. But, you know, sometimes you don't pick it up when you're reading. Like, you don't realize, like, oh, that's a joke. Oh, you know, Spider Man was being sarcastic, you know, when he made the comment about, oh, I'm absolutely shocked who made himself a, a god. Mm-hmm. And so it's like sometimes you have to hear those characters in your head to, to pick up the jokes. And yeah, that's what I love the most about the comic. Right. All right, Matt, what about you? I personally love at the end, after everything kind of dust settles, you have like Peter and Miles just standing up top in New York City. And Peter's just like, you on top of your homework? You finished your homework? He's like, you want to go fight bad guys? And he's just like, hell yes. And they just have that scene of them swinging off together. Yeah. Uh, To me, I I love that scene so much just because I have such a, a love for the Miles Morales character due to that being like my son's first introduction into comic books and mm-hmm. his favorite character. So I was like, that's just, 
classic because they didn't really give them too much to do in the story. So I'm glad that like at the end, we kind of get to see them still just being bros. Right. Yeah. No, I, I love that scene too. And you know what's funny is, is Miles is my son's favorite character as well too. So I, I love seeing Miles in the story, but you're absolutely right. That was probably one of the best uh, pages in that whole series is seeing Peter Parker and Miles Morales swinging through, I'm assuming New York City at that point, yep. right? Uh, swinging through New York City, kind of showing like they're both going to be, you know, Spider-Man in this new universe. And so that was really cool. I absolutely love that. That was, that was a that was a really touching moment. And, and you're right, they, they weren't in it too much but they like they they were kind of uh infiltrators right because they were sent to sneak in and figure out like what was going on in this you know negative zone space underneath the statue and that's where they found out you know molecule man and again that's where molecule man got the cheeseburger from because miles had it in his pocket this whole time and didn't like how do you wear a skin tight suit and not yeah, realize you have a cheeseburger yeah, like a tardis <laughs> in there or something oh, i don't know my God. <laughs> Um, for me, my next moment that I want to talk about is, um, Mr. Sinister and Captain Marvel. So when you're reading the story, you see just this one panel of where once the heroes got dispersed across the um, world, you kind of see where each of them kind of showed up at and Captain Marvel was captured by Mr. Sinister's goon. Um, and you just kind of see that scene where she's captured. And then the next time you see her, she has the Mr. Sinister diamond on her forehead, which means like he, I, I don't know exactly what it means. Like if he like com- converted her or like transformed her or something like that, but pretty much she's, with him on all this stuff as well too. And so it just really tells me, I I know a little bit about Mr. Sinister, but I feel like I don't know a whole lot about him in regards to like what happened there. And the fact that the man was decapitated in this yeah. story and he and he's not dead because his head kept like talking and he kept having kept this conversation his head off yeah. yeah exactly you know and everyone thinks like he's dead but then his you know he's just like having these conversations with just his head and saying oh man this is not going to be good at all whatsoever you know and, and i think someone like stomp on his head and all that but um but yeah it's just like i need to go back and kind of reread up on uh mr sinister because obviously he's a very powerful being and i know i've been reading the current X-Men run where he shows up and, you know, it's all about Sinister because he's the one that's kind of messing with reality and stuff like that in the X-Men story. So obviously he's a very powerful person as well, too. So I can see at some point they can have Mr. Sinister going up against Dr. Doom and trying to, you know, play for God in the world because he's always doing that as well, too. So it's I found it really fascinating that they kind of combine those two characters into the story because I feel like we probably haven't seen those two in, in the same story like in anywhere else in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I was surprised when he showed up because uh, it took me a second. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's sinister, but they're not going to have him just answering to doom like this. And then that was when I was still figuring out what was going on. And then, I, right. you know, I, I expected that to be a bigger showdown, I guess. But he was very passive yeah, considering yeah. who he is. Yeah. Mr. Sinister is one of those people where he'll always make it seem like he is kind of you know, going along for the ride, but he has like three plans going on that you don't see the on the back end. Yeah. And so obviously this one didn't really play a huge role in the, you know, in the final issue or anything like that. But my guess is if you read the tie-ins, he was probably trying to do something else. And then I wouldn't be surprised if in the, when they reset, like Mr. Sinister still remember battle world and they, you know, he brought in his plans from that. Cause that's kind of what he did with, um, with uh, the current X-Men run is that, you know, they yeah. kind of did like the reset of the world but he still remembered like all these times where the world got reset because he was kind of behind it and everything. So he like downloaded all of his memories and data and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if the tie-ins kind of showed that was happening in the, in the behind the scenes as well too, that he was playing the longer game and like waiting for all this to, you know, fall out and then he can kind of, 
you know, uh, go and assume the throne. So, mm. yeah, I hadn't read anything on him since like old, old Wolvie comics that I read years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, Who's next? Is, is Matt, are you next? I can't remember. I'm, we're going all over the place. Oh, I, I think you're next. He said Spider-Man. Yes, but then I said... He just gave yours to Lauren. Oh, yeah, that's oh. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's Lauren. Sorry. So your last one, Lauren. <laughs> okay, Um, my last one... Uh, okay, there's two just real quick. When all the Hulks jump out and go smash, 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 smash. <laughs> yeah. They're laughing. And then the zombies at the end, when they're like, you know, it's all about glory and honor. And these zombies are like, glory and honor. Brains, Brains glory yeah. and honor. I was like, what is <laughs> happening right now? This is so ridiculous and silly in this, you know, somewhat serious story. Yeah. So... Those but are mine. That, but that kind of came out of nowhere, too, right? Like, like I know we had um, Maestro in the story. He's shown up yeah. a few times. But then, like, this whole army of Hulk shows up out of nowhere. The Marvel zombies showed up out of nowhere. Like, it's it, again, like, this is what makes the story really weird, is that if you read just the main story event, you're just like, why the hell are they showing up in this story right. now, you know? It's just so it's weird. Just whoever survived, that's just, and yeah. then they have them in separate areas. It was like a theme park. Like yeah. you go to zombie land and then you go to, you know, maestro land and, and stuff. And yeah, they were all coming out and how quick they would change sides too. They're like, Oh wait, that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like Magneto in the Phoenix. Oh, okay. Now we're switching sides. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and that was the weird thing as well too, is that this didn't really have a huge, like final battle scene in this series either. Cause we saw all the Hawks, uh, all the Hulks, you know, show up, the zombies show up, but like didn't really spend a whole lot of time on showing you like what was going on in those fight scenes a whole lot. You know, they, they kind of showed like that was happening. Um, but then they just, you know, kind of jumped right into Dr. Doom and Reed Richards, you know, fighting each other at the end. So you didn't really see a whole lot of that going on. So it was just, again, just an odd, like that's not what you expected. You would expect to see more details of what happened in the final scene, especially if they took the last issue and split into two issues, you were kind of expecting that. But yeah, we just didn't get a whole lot of that. It's just like, here's this army of Hulk show up. Here's all these Marvel zombies. We've had the, the Thor army, you know, in there the whole time, but there's a whole army of Thors that's, that's, uh, you know, in play as well too. And then, you know, it just, we didn't really see a whole lot of them. So it was just, it was like, it was like somebody was just like, I just really want to write this in there because I just want to say that it exists now. And (laughs) and that was it. Like it was one page, like I'm happy with this. We can move on, you know? (laughs) Right. All right, Matt, what's your what's your last one? I would probably say that mine is just the uh, I like the beginning segment where the heroes, you have Iron Man who's trying to do a bunch in the city. Like they're just this is the classic feel of just trying to save the city. You don't know what's going on. You're just thrust into whatever the heck is happening. But the, the heroes are just like, nope, we got to stop this. And uh, then they can't, of course. But right. to me, that would that was like my favorite. All the heroes kind of collectively just working together because it really felt like that old school style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's definitely a collection of heroes you haven't seen fight with each other like in a while. But I will say that felt very cinematic as well, too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they borrowed that for the movie, because that's a great way of if you think about how Infinity War opened, where it just oh, opened yeah. with the ship, you know, being attacked and like everybody was dead except for Thor and Loki and a couple other people. I can see that happening for the Secret Wars movie as well, too, to kind of give you that sense of of hopelessness. And, you know, everyone's trying to stop this event from happening. And then it's still, you know, imploded on each other. And then that's where you get the title scene right there is Secret Wars from that point. Right. But, yeah, it was really yeah. 
it was a really great way to start the issue to kind of show you this dire, um, this ominous uh, experience of, you know, something drastic and something, you know, horrible is about to happen. And then by the time you get to the end issue, it was like that gravestone of, you know, Ultimate Universe, you know, died and the Marvel 616 died. And like, that's how they end it, you know. So, yeah, I can see that happening. That was really cool. Uh, for me, my last one is I need to talk about that final scene with Reed Richards and Dr. Doom because it's it's comical and intelligent, I think, of how they wrote this, because basically as they're fighting each other, um, they're fighting each other in the negative zone with Molecule Man again, hanging upside down, just watching this whole thing. I feel like they didn't draw this, but I feel like they could have like just had Molecule Man in the background, like still eating the cheeseburger while <laughs> this fight is happening. Like, I feel like it would be very comical if they did that. Um, but what's interesting is that Reed and Doom was talking about how if Reed was had assumed the powers of a god of this world, Reed said, you know, I would have done a better job than this. And then there's this pause and Dr. Doom, you know, punches him. He says, yes, I know. And then Molecule Man hears that. He's like, OK, we both agree on this. Good. And then Dr. Doom's like, no, 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 wait. And Molecule Man pretty much, like, I don't know what he did exactly, but he pretty much made it so that Reed Richards is now God and can reshape the universe and however he wants, you know? And, like, that's how it gets reset. That's how it ends. But I find it's... It's a it's a very comical way of doing that. How Molecule Man is like, oh great! Like I feel like he's this. This is the first time I've ever read him in a comic. Like I don't know much about Molecule Man other than what I see on TikTok with Danny O'Manny, which I, I don't know if you two know my history with him. I'm always like antagonistic about him. I'm always like giving him a hard time, but he and I are actually really good friends. Um, but he's always talking about how he wants to be Molecule Man in MCU, and I'm always like, who the hell is this Molecule Man guy he's talking about? <laughs> and then reading this, I'm like, this guy's actually hilarious. You know, it's very mm -hmm. comical. Um, but yeah, it was really comical how Monaco Man's like, okay, let's do that then. Um, but it's also like the fact that Reed and Doom had this whole conversation, how Doom recognizes that Reed is actually smarter, would do a better job of all this stuff. I think just, you know, it really does a great job of boiling it down to that's the epitome of the relationship that they're always rival, but Doom and Reed both know that Reed will always come out the end as doing, you know, the better job of the two for whatever reason. And so it was really, I find it really interesting and comical at the same time that they wrote it like that. And I thought it was a really cool way to be able to do that. So yeah. agreed. I, uh, I'll, admittedly, I don't really care about the fa fantastic four too much, mm -hmm. but uh, I do, I do enjoy how it happened. I just, I'm always, I don't care. Just don't care. Like Reed Richards doesn't have to be the center of every universe. Yeah. So when it ended like that to me, I was just like, uh, fine. We're yeah. back to the status quo, whatever. <laughs> I've only read old school, old school, fantastic Four. I haven't read the new stuff, but yeah. I might have to soon before, uh, before he showed, before they show up. Yeah. I, I haven't read a whole lot of fantastic four stuff either. Um, the more recent one I, I read was the two issue um, that David Pepos wrote um, oh, yeah, yeah. recently. That was really good. It was supposed to be a, a spinoff of Die Hard, basically. Um, but yeah, I never I mean, I know they're, you know, they have a lot of importance to the Marvel Universe and not just in terms of the actual history of Marvel Comics, but within the universe itself. Um but I just I find it interesting, like how everything seems to be really contingent on this Fantastic Four movie that's coming out, because it seems like of all the movies that they've announced or they're planning on, everyone is really focused on the Fantastic Four movie. And I think it tells you like how crucial of a role that family has. But I'm with you, Matt. It's like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like we we've already had Fantastic Four movies. Um, yeah. I want to see characters that <laughs> we haven't seen on the screen, you know, in a while. But it's like. 
you know, if if it flops, I don't care. Like, I'm still going to see it. And I'm still going to, you know, see the other movies and all that. But it's just it's really fascinating how a lot of people are just really, you know, hyper focus on, you know, the, the result of this movie and, and seeing them in the MCU, too. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I want to see like a good one, like, you know, the original Fantastic Fours, you know, not the original original, but, you know, the ones with Jessica Alba. I mean, they're fun, but I felt like they were kid movies. And then that last yeah. one was just terrible. So <laughs> I think a lot of people are just, you know, craving a, a good movie version of these characters. Yeah, yeah, I and, agree. Yeah. And, you know, it's a bummer because I felt like the last one had a lot of potential it just wasn't yeah, a great cast great cast great you know I, I thought acting wise and everything even the visual effects were really good it was just um the, the writing story. suffered one way or the other you know like the story just wasn't like it was like the i think the only marvel movie i watched where i actually fell asleep watching it and <laughs> i mean that Mine tells was, you something um, right Ghostwriter. I kept falling oh. asleep. We watched it like three nights in a row and oh, I kept man. falling asleep. The one with Nick Cage. Oh yeah. my gosh. I don't know. I just, that movie's not great. And I haven't seen that one yet. We watched the it. First one's not bad. The second one just. My husband's there's like, there's a second movie? one? Yeah, I didn't even know there's, there was there's a second two. One. They made two. They made two. Oh my two. gosh. Okay. I never finished the first. I literally fell asleep three different nights watching it. And I'm not one that falls asleep during movies. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know what it did. Nick Cage, I guess, just puts me to sleep. I don't know. Ugh. Well, don't you know, I like I'm, Nick Cage. I, I wonder. So whenever I saw the trailer for uh, Ghost Rider with Nick Cage, like it just it, I always liken it to it seems like it's a sequel of Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, <laughs> you know, like all, all the visuals and stuff like that. I'm just like, it seems like it's a sequel to that and that he just end up being, you know, more supernatural in this one for whatever reason, yeah. you know, that's a so. good point. Maybe, maybe it's gone. 60 seconds was the prequel. We never knew we needed. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> he had to change his identity like, and everything else. <laughs> I didn't like how they portrayed Eva Longoria. That really bothered me. Uh, oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Not a, a good, strong character at all. It's very silly. I didn't like, I think that was my issue with it, but yeah. Well, so, that's Secret Wars in a nutshell. Overall, like what, you know, let's start with you, Lauren, because we started with you. We'll go ahead and end with you. Like what, you know, out of 10, what what would you give this, you know, series, this event for Marvel? 6.5. Awesome. It was entertaining, but I didn't love it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Uh, I was going to say a 7, just for like, you know, there's a lot of really good artwork within it. Um, a lot of good, like fun team up sequences or things, you know, interactions that you normally wouldn't probably get. Right. Uh, but overall it's just like, it's, it's not this grandstanding, like, Whoa, that everybody kind of makes it out to be. Yeah. I, you know, I think I have to give it a six and, you know, for the, for the sole fact that it was just a weird story. Like it was written. Well, there, there were some parts I was just like, uh, I don't know, but it was written well for the most part. Um, the art was interesting. I, I found what was really interesting. I commend them for doing this, but I don't think it really connected for me is, is there have some moments where you have these panels and then you just have like a floating head in the middle of that page oh, yes, of like giving dialogue yes. Which I'm like, that's interesting, but I don't know why they're doing that. Like, I don't know. Like, I just felt like it was just like a floating head at that point, And it didn't know like <laughs> what the point was for doing that. But um, like, it, it wasn't a bad story. It wasn't bad art whatsoever, but it was just, it was just so out there that I felt like the only way you could really understand what was going on is if you read all the other, other comics that was happening at that time to really understand that. And like, for me, it's, if you're writing it from that point of view, like one is challenging to do that, but you're going to lose people if they're just reading mm -hmm. secret wars, you know? So, right. yeah. So for me, it's going to be a six out of 10 just for that fact. Uh, but I mean, 
you know, the writing, like I said, the writing wasn't bad by any means whatsoever. It just has some odd choices and the art has some odd choices as well, too. But I mean, I've, I've read worse and I've seen worse, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's oh, definitely not a bad book. So, yeah. No. Yeah. So, well, um, like every episode, we're going to end with the comics we're reading. Um, but first, I just want to remind people that the Caption Life is part of Comic Watch, which we are a volunteer organization that do reviews on comics, TV, movies, anything like that. So if you are somebody that wants to do reviews of anything, you know, related to comics or anything like that, check out the link in the show notes below and we will have an application that uh, you can fill out. And then we get back with you within seven days. It's a great group of people. Uh, next week, if you chime into the show, uh, we're going to have a uh, episode with Sammy from Skeleton Key Comics to talk about grading comics. So if you're interested in knowing how comics are graded, because I know nothing about it, that's why Sammy joins the show. So he can tell us a little bit about this. So um, so let's talk about the comics we're reading. I'm going to share what people at Comic Watch and in our Discord Lunacasters are reading. And then Matt and Lauren, I'll ask you to what you're reading. So starting off with Comic Watch, Chad Burdett said, Night Terror so far is actually piqued his interest, getting a lot of Sandman dreaming vibes, uh, which I know a lot of people have been talking about that. A lot of people are really interested and fascinated with that major event coming from DC Comics. And Dustin Gable said, just finished the last leg of uh, Wade to Zadarsky's of entire Daredevil publishing history. What stood mm-hmm. out to him was the mini crossover Omega Effect with Ruckus Punisher and Avenging Spider-Man. Second time, Marco Cicchetto got to work on the title and solidified him as the definitive Daredevil artist before the current run. Helps that uh, comes right in the middle of the Wade run, which might be his second favorite Daredevil run of all time. From the Lunacasters Discord, we have Dr. Owen said that his latest reads from the library includes two Black Panther trades from Coates, Stelfries, and Martin, and also reading the Swamp Thing from Maggie uh, Steifvater. Uh, Kim from ODPH Podcast said he's reading Grimm from Boom Studios, returning this week, and it's written by or created by Stephanie Phillips, uh, from Flaviano, Renzi, and Napolitano. Sorry, I'm like butchering all these names here. Uh, usher in the next chapter of the saga of Jessica Haro. Uh, Byron O'Neill from Comic Book Yeti said the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos, side quest, and the trade for gospel. Year the Collector said DC is halting all stories for the Night Terror event. Heroes and villains, worst nightmares. Yes, please sign me up. And finally, Joe Loves Comics said, I read the latest issue of Saga, issue 65, yesterday, and it was heartbreaking. Um, Lauren, Matt, any of those comics that you, y'all read? I know I keep hearing about Saga. I tried reading it before. I can never get into it, but so many people love Saga. Doesn't carry that one? Yeah. yeah, that's my wife's favorite. She even has like the uh, one of the characters, like of uh, the framed up on the wall uh me i'm with you it's just kind of like eh, <laughs> eh, it's not bad but i'm not reaching for it the first thing and like that's not my first recommendation for anybody to to read right off the bat it's right. just me right See, i had heard nothing but good things but i've never read it i part of me wonders if you have to get past like the first couple of issues because it's really weird like it opens up uh, with these two people with televisions for heads yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's just, like weird. Like there's creatures, and it's like then an like 80s music video. There's a general, yeah. <laughs> and he's got the television for the head. But then like it's about these two who had like forbidden love almost amidst this war. And right. Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. It's a different story with different characters. Thing. Right. I feel yeah, like Invincible looking. was slow at the beginning and the guy in my comic shop years before they did the show, he's like, you just have to get through the first issue. And once you have that first big reveal, I couldn't put it down. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably my all time favorite comic. So, yeah, sometimes you got to get through the rough to enjoy yeah. it. But. Yeah. 
I just don't know when I'm going to because I got so many other stuff I got to read. So I it's know. like I'm not I'm not you know itching to go read it right away by any means whatsoever. So, um, so Matt, what comics are you reading this week? So I've been reading the Darth Vader red, white, and blood. Like that's the it's the black and white Darth Vader comics. I always get the yeah. name mixed up for some oh, reason, no. but it's yeah. <laughs> well because there's uh, another one with the same like name right now. Yeah, it's like, yeah, red, it's like the Moon blood. Knight has the red, white, and <laughs> blood as well. So I was always like, it's a tongue twister for me. But uh, the yeah. most recent issue came out, like Mark Bernardin uh, had a story in it. It's kind of like a culmination of a few different writers and artists um, within it. So like David Popose had one in the, the second issue. Um, Daniel Warren Johnson just had a story in one as well. And it's just fun. It's like you get to see Darth Vader. He's very ruthless, very brutal. He's obviously one of my favorite characters to read comics about. Um, so if mm-hmm. I had to like recommend anybody read anything, there's only three issues of this one out right now. Mm-hmm. I would definitely pick that up. And then um, the last one I would just recommend is the the Riddler Year One, written by Paul Dano. Yes, uh, that one's been a lot of fun. The book five just came out, and uh, I just picked that up yesterday. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to read that, but it is a fantastic comic book. What I love about the Riddler Year One is that the story is really interesting, especially if you're a fan of the Batman film, because it's supposed to be written in that universe. But the art yes. style I absolutely love because the Riddler Year One is very much a psychological thriller kind of story where you get into the mind of the Riddler and, and what he's dealing with. And the art style really reflects that in a lot of ways that you don't see in traditional comics. And I just it's one of my favorites right now for that reason. So I agree with you, Matt. It's a great story. If yours one that you're looking to, you know, give a shot, that that one would be it for me too. So Lauren, what about you? Um, so like Matt, I'm also reading the Darth Vader one and cause we had David P post on the show. And so I got into it like that, but I also reading the trade Mac trade back of Darth Vader because mm-hmm. to me, oh, he yeah. was not done justice in the movie. So every little bit extra <laughs> of Vader that I can get to better build his character. Yeah. I love that. Um, but I'm a big Wolvie fan. Uh, I don't, I do have a stack cause last night I actually finished the third star Wars aftermath book. So my stack of comics has just been getting bigger and bigger cause I've been reading all, and I just bought the three Thrawn. So mm-hmm. my stack's just going to get bigger, but um, I'm always reading the current Wolverine. It's on issue like 30 something now, but that is the Deadpool and Wolverine interaction. I'm Ooh. hoping we see in the movie. Yeah. And I got to meet uh, Ben Percy and Adam Kubert. They signed my Wolvie Deadpool issue. And oh, I was cool. talking to, to Ben Percy about it. And I'm like, this is what I want in the movie. I want this Wade and, <laughs> and this, you know, Wolvie interacting like this. Uh-huh. And uh, they just dropped the X-23 books in my box as well. I'm excited to read those because they say we're going to get a lot of Wolverine variants. And I'm really hoping we get Laura in the movie. Yeah. Um, so I and I also have the Sabretooth one, which is the spinoff of the Wolverine. And I've really been enjoying that because I'd only ever seen Sabretooth as a you know castaway villain. Mm-hmm. So seeing things from his perspective, I mean, he's still evil, but right. it's, you know, you start to have more sympathy for where he's coming from. Yeah. And I love getting that, you know, sympathetic villain story because nobody's born evil. Right. Uh, so it's well, at least you hope not. But it's just it's, <laughs> It's a lot of fun. So I'm I'm really excited for that. Wolverine's all I me. Mean, my son's name is Logan. Wolverine's always been my favorite Oh, that's character. right. Yeah. yeah that's is his middle name Wolverine? I wish. No. <laughs> well, what's funny is like his middle name is named after my uh, husband's grandfather who passed away, which Joseph, but my dad's middle name is James. And I'm like, oh, that would have been uh. really cool if we could name him Logan James. <laughs> There, but, there's somebody I know who said they went to high school with somebody whose like name was I forget their first name but it was like Obi Wan Kenobi was their middle name. 
which I'm like, you know, probably back then they probably didn't really share that with a lot of people. But nowadays, I'm sure they're like, my middle name is Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, right. call me by my middle name. <laughs> when my oldest was little, there's a little boy on our soccer team named Logan Xavier. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm nice. jealous. Yeah, that's really cool. I um, talking about the Deadpool three movie. I made a TikTok about this a while back. Um, I said a while back. It's actually like, a, I think, by like five days ago. But. Um, with all the like rumored cameos they're having in there about Ben Affleck being Daredevil, apparently there's there is one about possibly the Fantastic Four showing up in that movie. Um, I had actually said, wouldn't it be cool if the storyline was a Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, but he kills off all the previous like Marvel characters from all the previous movies just to like for Disney to say, OK, like they no longer exist anymore at this time, like this point in time. Now everything is under like the Disney MCU banner. You know, I, I think it'd be funny because one, like that would be a funny story for them to do, but it would also make a lot of sense for them to kind of say now, like everything moving forward is legitimately like this universe because everybody else is dead previously right. from the previous movies. I would love to see that. And it ends yeah, with Deadpool saying, "You're welcome, Disney." Yeah. <laughs> oh my! Oh my gosh! Yeah, they would have to do that. I would hope they do that. I don't know if Disney. Disney has may, may have a little bit too much of an ego to let that happen, but it would be it would be hysterical if they did. Yeah. Yeah, they better do Deadpool right. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is in it and, and Sean Levy, who did Free Guy with him and and um, the Adam Project. I think he did that as well, too. Like those two are really good movies. So I'm hoping that, you know, they'll they'll do a really good job with that and that Disney's not going to get too, too much involved. But I mean, Feige's also on board with it. And, and, you know, I think they're taking Feige's lead when it comes to the MCU. So oh, I'm not definitely. too worried about it. But I know what? there's there's always worries. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have more issues with what goes on Disney Plus is my theory, because I just heard like Marva in uh, Andor was supposed to say F the Empire. And Uh, Disney was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. So it being on the, the, you know, big screen, I think that will help, too. Yeah. But yeah, Deadpool and Deadpool 2 is also in Disney Plus as well, too. So that's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're allowing that on there, like I can't imagine they're going to be, you know, too worried about. I can see why Star Wars is because Star Wars is always like. Targeting kids, yeah. Yes, you know they've they've yeah. always it's always been like that. Whereas you know they can't help with what they did before with Logan and Deadpool, but they kind of embraced it and said like you know as long as we keep just these movies you know at rated R like nothing else, then we're fine with that. But I can see why Star Wars they probably didn't want to do that. So yeah. Um, for me this week, I am picking up Daredevil number thirteen, which I think this might be either the second to last or last issue with Chip Zdarsky and mm. uh, Chichetto. So I'm really interested in that. I know I've been kind of getting behind on uh, those issues, but I'm picking that up this week. And then the other issue I'm picking up this week is No One from Image Comics. Have you two read this one yet? Mm-mm. I haven't, but I love everything Image puts out. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, and this this is part of the massive verse that you know Kyle Higgins and uh, Ryan Parrott and everybody else have been putting out there with um, Radiant Black, Rogue Son, who lives mm-hmm. in that same universe. But this one I absolutely love because it's very much a kind of a detective mystery kind of story. And I've been saying this as well, too. What I absolutely love about this is that they've also released when a new issue comes out, they release a podcast audio drama. So it's not a podcast about the book, but it's a podcast that's supposed to live in that world. So I think... um, Oswald Patton is in it, and uh, Rachel Lee Cook are both voice actors for characters that's in the oh, story. Nice. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a cool thing that they've been doing with this universe that they're like 
pushing the uh, boundaries of what people do with traditional comics. And this is one of them is that they're releasing an audio drama version, not, not a version, but it's actually gives you additional details about the story that you don't see in the comic books. So I, it's one of my favorites from image comics so far. I absolutely love it. That's another one where I say, if you want something that is not from Marvel or DC, um, it's not really a superhero story necessarily it's about a you know, like a vigilante that has technology to kind of help you know him fight crime and stuff like that but um, you don't know who this person is he goes by the name no one which is really fascinating uh pun that he uses um when i say pun it's not like you know like a comedic role but it's just he'll say like no one is above the law and i am no one so it's kind of interesting to hear him say that like what does that actually mean um but it's a great story so i absolutely recommend picking that up if you're looking for a new series to read so well uh this was secret wars lauren and matt thank you very much for coming on the show before i let you go where can people find you and your podcast online yeah, uh, just go ahead and search Hops Geek News on any podcasting platform, any social media platform. It's pretty simple. Um, that's where you can find all of our stuff and the mm-hmm. links to all of our fun, fun things. And and Twitter, as long as it's still around. <laughs> Unless you rake it, you know, yeah. yeah. Jeez. I know. You know what's funny is usually I ask people on Twitter, uh, you know, what comics they're reading to put on this episode, and no one responded, and I'm guessing it's because of all the chaos that happened. You yesterday. can't see anything. Yeah, you can't see anything. <laughs> you, you reach your, your limit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's the same. <sighs> uh, and then, Lauren, same thing with you. Uh, just everything with Hopkeet News as well. Yeah, and you mentioned before, like, the beer in Disney. That's the Hoppy Mommy. But yeah, Hops Geek News. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining the show. I really appreciate it. And I hope to have you both back on the show in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. And we'd love that. Yeah. Thank you. You have to come on our show one day. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. I'd be really excited about that. Yeah. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps of Life. I hope you enjoyed listening. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps and Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsandlife.com. 